This is Film Center, your number one show for real entertainment industry news. No fluff, all facts. Now, here are your anchors, Derek Johnson II and Nicholas Killian. News. My name's Derek Johnson II. I'm Nicholas Killian. And today we are here with the company Neomyth. We're here with David Moreno and Tronica Zero. Hello. Like Tronica Zero. Yes. Where did you come up with that? Her name that is way name? cooler than uh, my name. Came, came up in the early 2000s. Came up with a, a handle name for my online persona. Is that like an aim handle? or is Yeah, that a, like an aim handle. What I was talking about, like, American Online. Oh yeah. yeah, I started with that and the name came up when I was watching the movie Hackers. Oh, I guess okay. the guy whose name was Cool Hackers. Zero. Yeah. I really loved Cool Zeros, and I love electronica music. I just put the two together. Nice. Yeah. New Myth. They make uh, you make comic books, right? Yeah. That's correct. Can you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? I was born in Los Angeles, California. Lived here my whole life. An actual Los Angeles person instead of someone who an actual moves. Angelino, an which Angelino. is a very rare sighting here in LA. Yeah. Grew up in the Huntington Park area, okay. Latino base. Then went to Cal State LA and graduated with a BA in art education. And from there, after that, I did some teaching a little bit. But then I wanted to follow comic books because that's what got me to draw. Can you talk about what led you to the inspiration of wanting to do that? The funny thing is, I never liked drawing to begin with when I was a kid. I hated really? drawing. I hated drawing. I hated coloring. I always, I was scribbly. I didn't care because I wanted, I, I would get bored very easily. I had no aspirations of becoming an artist as a kid. But there's something about storytelling that I like. I, I started off writing my own little short stories. I even wanted to become a pro wrestler. Really? And I was trying to who's get your, who, who, who's a wrestler that you admire when you were young? Hulk Hogan, you know. Hulk the, Hogan. The, 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 yeah. You wanted to become a wrestler because you saw it on TV? Yeah, and I'm like, that looks pretty cool. It's like, it's action. I wasn't a sports kid either. I didn't play sports or follow sports, but for some reason, wrestling caught my attention. Because that had a storyline to it. It Most likely, yeah, because it was very dramatic. Who, who, growing up in the 80s with pro wrestling, that you see all the big events. It was and incredible. Not so polished the way it is now. It's very commercialized. It's but very commercialized it's now. It's super commercialized. So I got into that and I was like, I'll start training, working out. But then the doctor said, sorry, your spine is out of alignment, so you can't do that. Well, you like have scoliosis? scoliosis? That's what they said, but I don't believe it because I don't feel anything from it. But who knows down the road? Well, he like, could have just been hating. Yeah. He could have just. <laughs> he could have been hating. That could have been his dream. Yeah. And you were gonna pursue that dream. And he was so like, you know what? Yeah. There's too many people in here that. pursuing their dreams. Well, the funny thing is, when I told my friend that was in pro wrestling, he's like, "Well, why don't you jump on? We can make a deal." It's like the doctor says, "My spine is out of my spine is out of alignment." So don't worry about that. So is that guy over there? But I'm like, I'm already doing this drawing thing. And what happened was I was halfway through high school and okay. there was this show called on uh, the Max. Max, so he's a purple superhero and I love that show. It is awesome. Yeah, and I wasn't even going to watch that show until my 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 cousin who was younger said, "Can you please record it for me? It's like past his bedtime." I'm like, "All right, clean my room tomorrow and I'll do it." So, I was never going to watch it, but I watched it and just something compelled me after I recorded it. I'm like, "Huh. That was a pretty cool show." Like dark. What was it about it that compelled you so much? Probably the art style itself because it had a very grimy look but it's very unique and it had a lot of watercolor elements. It was very it was a gorgeous 
a good adaptation of the comic book when I found out that it was a comic book and it looked pretty much shot for shot. The next day I was like, I, I just kept watching it over and over again. I, I recorded The same it. episode? The same episode, episode one, and I was just rewinding it and I'm like, huh. I paused it at a certain frame and I started drawing it. I just got a line sheet of paper and a cheap big pen that you get from a dollar store and just... Yeah. started hatching it out I'm like huh this looks like the one for the TV hey because before I, I didn't like drawing I just didn't but you just were compelled to just try to imitate it right. what switched what what switched in your brain I think it was just the fact that I did something that I never did before and it did well oh like matching that image with something right. that you know it's so interesting because the first episode of the Max you have not only 2D there's some there's some live action cops that are in it when he's mm-hmm. in the backseat or whatever yes. right so when you're looking at this grimy art style obviously you had seen cartoons and other stuff before right, right. but it was the uniqueness of the max that made you say oh let's see if i can do this and the way they set up set it up dark grimy you know was uh, it leaves a box to yourself to see if i could do it or was it with just genuine just curiosity your dr- drive to i don't know why but i'm just drawing this like it's just something in me was just sparking compelled you right. to is that what made you say that oh i'm gonna keep doing this I thought first I took it to my parents. They're like, hey, this is pretty good. So I guess having that positive reinforcement. reinforcement, And it's not about wrestling questions or anything. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, he's asking about wrestling? How did your. So when did you decide, oh, okay, I'm going to be an artist? What was the point? I would say that I started it as a hobby first. Mm -hmm. Like, and. My parents encouraged it because, hey, he's not out there causing trouble or getting into trouble with drugs, a 90s kid. So, sure, here's some more paper. So here's some just, more paper and pencil and just don't go outside and do something crazy. Yeah. And I then I found out, oh, this is a comic book. And I'm like, oh, I, I want to go buy That's where my comic book addiction started. Dad, take me to the comic book store. It's Saturdays. Yeah. Better than an allowance. And yeah. what, would you, what would you say is your favorite comic book? <sighs> or one of your favorites. Or <laughs> franchise. Well, I, would, I would say that the Max is my inspirational. This is what brought me to the game. Now, the what kind of drove me to become better in my art was Spawn, Atomic Phone Spawn. Oh, my God. Spawn on HBO and was so good. I would say issue number 24. Why just, specifically that issue? The grimy, once again, the, the, the style. So you is really the like the grimy. It, grimy. This, this, is that the one with the, okay, I think the Dominator's in that one. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think, if I remember correctly, the, the uh, Redeemer just beat him and his costume's about to mm, uh, yeah. metamorph into the next stage where he was all spikier and... Yeah. I just love the griminess because I was already starting to copy comic books. I look at a page and I'm like, I was a pretty good copier. I would just follow the contours mm. and just... I was training myself how to draw without knowing. And then what stage of your life are you in at this point? I am making my own because I feel like I have to keep storytelling. I did want to follow like what any kid back then. I want to be in comics. I want to go to DC or Marvel. So were you just graduating high school, going into college? By that point, I was just graduating high school. But I was like, how do I get into comics? And somebody suggested, you got to go to school and like brush up on some things. Like, I was told, get some plenty of legal training, life drawing, but also graphic design. And I heard Todd McFarlane in an interview once saying he graduated as a graphic designer. And I looked it up and I'm like, we were still doing stuff by hand. This is like right before my college got funding in the arts department for computers. So I was still doing stuff by hand. Right. And then the computer showed up, and I'm like, oh, boy, it looks like I have to learn how to use a computer. Was that that pro- other, how was that process? 
that was interesting. I was a little worried though, because I never used a computer except for maybe just typing out a report in some English class, just using their word files, but never a, a Photoshop class. I think it was Photoshop 5.0. Photoshop 5.0. <laughs> so nowadays, do you still doing it by hand, or you do you like doing it on the computer? I like both. I still love traditional, you know, p- pencil, paper, pen, but I use the computer to refine my lines. Probably do rough sketches that I would like. All right, how would I handle this a different way? Just not worried about messing up. So this is, I just say, sentiment in the industry right now, especially with comics. That some things are kind of like kind of looking the same. And it was, like, the Max is drawn in such a way where it's very unique. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I would also say the same thing for the way that Spawn was drawn. So it's these more distinctive, gritty styles. And if there weren't for those styles, you might not have been as interested. Is there... What, what do you think about the comic books becoming more and more standard? Because there's a sentiment that some are starting to look the same. I think that happens every 15 to 20 years because you have young up-and-coming artists they're seeing this over and over again and they start to adapt that particular style and it starts to get a little watered down but like you said you looked at a style you like you were inspired by it but then you didn't copy it right you were just something that you were inspired by i copied it as a teenager yeah but that's when you were like learning learning it's different when you're producing it so why do you think they're producing some things that might look similar that might look quote-unquote standard because of time and money or i would say time and money and just it People have to draw the house style. There is a house style. Who's ever the hot artist? You have to learn how to draw in that style. Just that style, which is why there is a lot of artists that, well, I don't want to work for the big companies because I have to draw like that person over there, and then they would get lost in the big machine. Now that's understandable. I would tell any young artist, okay, what do you want to do with your art? Do you want to make money, be famous? Do you just want to? make money just to eat or do you just want to draw because you love it and what do you love to do because some pe- those, thing, those things are going to decide how much money you're going to make where you're going to work where you're going to end up in life right now I'm at a point in my life where I'm like I want to do what I want to draw or I love the, the classic characters just the ones that are out there but it, and it is commercialized I would love it when they, they would say Reno why don't you draw for us that would be great but I'm going to have to try it in my style I might not get to pick that though they right. may say, oh, we want you to tailor. Even if you're drawing, let's say they, they ask you, like if Marvel's like, hey, we want you to make an Iron Man story. They're yeah. like, okay, there's still probably some certain guidelines they want you to follow. Okay, Tony Stark is going to look like Robert Downey Jr. I'm like, okay, that, that's fine. Or we're, this is how we want you to draw by the character design. And that's understandable. So who are some of your favorite artists? There's a variety. Sam Keith is the number one for me. Tom McFarland. Let's see. Greg Capullo. Sam Panosian, Alex Ross, and it starts to range more and more. After what is the reason why you like those artists so much? They're able to pick a moment in time and just make it look exciting. There's, It's very classical. I would say that I am classically trained because I did study Da Vinci, all the Renaissance right, artists. So- where did you end up going to college whenever you decided, oh, okay, this is something maybe that I would want to do? Did you just choose like a random place or? You- I will admit I was a C student. I barely passed high school because I was just, I was always, I want to, I want to say I was, I was never diagnosed for dyslexia. So whatever was art related, I gravitated towards. Whatever right. was math, I'm not going to, I'm bored. Yeah. But I, I would be interested in like a geometry or something and that's useful angles shapes stuff. and angles shapes and, and angles. colors yeah or history I, i'm a big history buff oh me too. I, I love anything that deals with uh, renaissance or even 
the Napoleonic Wars, stuff like that. Just right. all, all this awesome history and the characters that right. just it make was up so those... dangerous. They just marooned them on an island, or, or, or even then like, prehistory stuff. I love just finding out this stuff. That's why I was drawn into stuff like Conan the Barbarian. How does that stuff inspire you in your art? I, I believe that it, it's a very driving force because it's primal. What's one of the oldest things of communication? Drawing on caves and just communicating. So this feeling, and it probably connects to the pro wrestling stuff because what are you seeing? Two characters going at it in battle. It's exciting. And I used to take action figures when, when I was still training, just zoom in and out with just holding them up and up in a, the light a certain way, trying to mimic what I would see on paper. And it's like position them in a way that you're like, oh, okay, cool. I think that this, yeah. is, the, this is the image that I, that I want to see. And when it comes to designing like sections of, of a comic book, because it's not like each page is only one picture, right? right? How do you know your proportions? I have to say, oh, this is three panels here. This is two panels here. This is, oh, I want to stack this one here with this. Because they're just so different nowadays. It's all about the beats of what's going on. If it's the, the page is more descriptive than we got, every writer writes description a different way, depending on what they studied. I would say sometimes a writer might say, oh, there's going to be like six panels. And I'm like, no, you can do this in three. And simplify, yeah. Or they'll be like, oh, you're going to love this. This is going to be easy. This is only two panels. I'm like, no, you should do this five. Do you find it? Do you find some writers are easier to work with than others? I think I found the, the, the easiest one to work with is my wife because she we're pretty much in each other's head. I was uh, trained. Wow. <laughs> you were trained? Where were you Were you trained in your writingness? Before, I would write anything. I would just write my own stuff, but Dave pretty much taught me how comics work and brought me into the whole industry because before I would just be like, oh, okay, I could write this into a story, or let me see what I can do with this. Look at a movie, and it's like, how would I rewrite that, or how would I look at it a different perspective? How would I execute this scene, stuff like that? Uh-huh, exactly, but Dave turned me into comics, and I was like, oh, this is now even more interesting. Let's break this down into pictures. So when did you two decide, oh, we're going to start a company today? Because there's a lot of people who, they're in relationships, and they can't really... Just because you're in a relationship with someone doesn't mean that you, you can do work business with them. together right. and stuff like that. How did you two know that this was a good fit? It goes back to our history, our, our first story, where two friends were bringing us together to work on a project for a video game. And I said, you can do some pictures and do some of the story, and we're going to bring this guy that we know, and he's totally better than all of us. Like, he puts us all <laughs> out of the water, and the he's like a great artist, and... You gotta meet him, you gotta meet him. I was a flaky person, still flaky, but David was gonna fire me on day one. Because they asked me, she's slow a little, she takes a while for to, to write. I'm like, you want me to fire her? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Her. I'll do it, I don't know her. Yeah, I have no emotion <laughs> towards but, but she, After him. talking to her a little bit, I was like, oh, she's, a, she's such a nice person, I'm not gonna fire her. Yeah, and then he, he saw the ideas that I had for the story, and he was like, wow, we could totally make this into a comic book. But, but the, originally it was gonna be a video game, but everybody else flaked out. This was just college kids trying to make and then something. Then Dave fired everybody. Then I fired everybody. And, until the last person he fired himself. Every <laughs> artist has their own particular style, their own particular process. Could you walk through your particular process? How, how, about, how about specifically on, on character design? Because everyone goes through character designs in a different way. Have you even, even been someone on the show talking about math? How you look at your character? He's like, oh, I like to use no, like math, and I was like, I don't understand what that means. And he's like, oh, if someone has a certain number of tails, I might add them or subtract them. I'm like, seriously? How do you do your character design? How do you approach it? Definitely, it depends what the script dictates. If it was a client, that I would ask him, okay, do you have a certain look you want? Do you have anything pre-done already, or do you have any magazine covers? 
any actors you wanted to like look references. like. References. References, exactly. I, I, in fact, I, I would tell them, if you have your own characters, I won't even charge you for the designs because you already came up with it. But I'm like, okay, if it's a fantasy story, what period would you like it to be? If it's power fantasies, then it's going to be whatever. If it's a historical piece, all right, 15th, 16th century, okay, I'm going to go research that and research costumes. I did take, when I finally reached Cal State LA, I actually took one history of costume design class. I was the only guy there. I yeah, I used to make I used to make costumes. DJ used to I, be a costumer. Yeah, yeah I just why I came before I was a writer. I came out to do yeah. costumes and uh, yeah, it's I think there's such a lack of appreciation of that research. You know what I'm saying? There's right. so many people who are like, oh, I'm just gonna just dive right into it. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but when you do a little research, you're gonna have add a whole bunch of details that makes it authentic and unique at the same time. When you're doing your research, do you is there a certain place that you're like, okay, this is where I'm going first, or does it just depend on the story? It depends really what's going on, and if it's action or if it's just simple dialogue. All right, what kind of food were they eating at the period? I, everything. I, I like to stick to details. But if it's just full-blown fantasy, there's no real reference. It's all a little bit of reference. And I'm like, okay, I can make whatever I want, depending on what the, the script dictates. Character Characters is always based on what are they going to do down the road are they left-handed or right-handed that's always a i throw that one and they're surprised by that kind of question how is that relevant not everybody's right-handed and i would have to draw that especially if they're in combat how do you oh you draw like the sword in the left hand i was about to just ask i don't know, I don't know how you communicate yeah <laughs> and if you ask a, a, somebody that does combat that throws them off or like in the in rocky one paw southpaws i don't want you messing with that those southpaws they'll mess you up yeah, because you're thinking differently, and that's the little tiny details that I, quiet details that I so like are, to put. Are in. people who you're drawing as ambidextrous? They're like dual wielders or something. Yeah, they, they would have two knives, and they'll be like boom, boom. <laughs> Actually, a movie like uh, I think it was called uh, King Arthur back in the early 2000s. Lancelot was ambidextrous. He was using two yes. two blades. Are you talking about the Clive Owen King Arthur? Yes, the one who played Lancelot. He he was ambidextrous. Right. So he fought ambidextrous, and I was like. That's interesting because that's somebody that's just, they're going to, anyway. So that's a, that's even more impressive. Do you feel that people overlook all of that intense research that you have to do? I would say some, depending on the level of seriousness. Even then from the writer, I would say there are some writers that I want them to be 5'11", right-handed. They have a scar here because it's in their hyper-realistic imagination. Or they'll say, Dave, go at it. You have you can do whatever you want with this character. Which one do you prefer? I would say somewhere in the middle. Because I would like to say, okay, where do you want to contribute? You need a starting point. Yeah. Because uh, starting from nothing, is, is it's a lot harder than people think. Because then I'm building the universe for them. And I'm like, are you sure you want this? Because you don't know if they're going to like it or not. Right. They're, they're telling you, hey, do whatever you want. But then whenever you give them whatever they want, are they really going to like it? Right. Do you find that the images that you draw, like how you draw them, affects the way you color them too? Or is that really more of a shading thing? No, actually, it does. It is important. I, I don't color. I know how to color, but I'd rather have somebody. A colorist. Colors that knows what they're really, because it comes down to practically. Coloring is like chemistry. And you have to think of the atmosphere, time, when the sun's setting a certain time. And then if there's a haze, if there's supposed to be a haze and it's a battle and there's smoke, it, it affects color. Even a, a rainy day affects tonal stuff. So I'd rather have somebody that's super good at it 
and, and just let them handle that. But I always have that in mind because over time I learned my my art at first was very hatchy. It was a lot of cross hatching. So for people who might not, because we do have a lot of people who are in, who are in the industry who listen to the show, but for people who aren't, what does that mean exactly? I'm using a lot of cross hatching, which is I'm I'm letting my inks do the rendering, but because now there's coloring has advanced so much from the 70s and 80s. The people, the colors have gotten an upgrade yeah. in, in, the, in their tools. So you have to give them that more leeway for them to render certain things. Now, I can still have a very hatchy style, but I got to keep in mind, all right, leave room for the colorist so that way they could like... They can shine. They can shine. Can you speak to how it used to be in the 70s and 80s and how it's upgraded so much now for the audience at home? I was born in 79, so I only got the tail end of things. But from what I've studied, there was a, colorists were using markers and papers before. Like, they were just old school coloring directly on the artwork. Straight up coloring. Right. Break out the Crayola. Right. Well, not Crayola exactly, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> coloring but by hand. They'll be coloring by hand and on paper. Then that eventually started changing when the technology started upgrading. You had Pantone and companies like that just digitally printing stuff. It was the press was changing. Back in the 70s, people were cr- hand cranking their comics. They, they would get a little hand crank, one sheet, and then put it together, staple really? it. Then the 80s, it started upgrading. And around the 90s, like when I started taking classes, we were already, we had to learn okay, if you're, if the, in reality, the, you're coloring, it's going to be different when you put it in the computer. Or what, if you create it in the computer, you got to keep in mind, you got to turn the red, green, and blue to CMYK. And right. then because it prints, it can't, the computer, you can do all this wonderful colors in the computers, but in reality, when you're printing it, the ink doesn't take those exact colors, so you have to adjust. You have to, do you have to use certain printers? Nowadays, it's now because of laser printing, you could really, it, it's actually gotten cheaper to color because the technology has just has, has upgraded so much. And even then, the technology's come to a point where we don't really need paper in, in the industry. But I like using it because I like the feeling of it because I grew up on it. I would I believe that in two generations, there won't be any paper anymore in comics as far as the production. Mm-hmm. Like, when you look at Japanese anime. They don't use cell animation anymore. No. It's all computers now. Yeah. And even then, I, I would think that the bigger companies, you're drawing on, on a big tablet just for production's sake. It's all about speed as far as the productions. Do you find that the techniques that you honed back in the 90s, do you find them to be an advantage nowadays? Yes, because if the technology failed, I can just whip out some paper. And still get it done. Because the reason why I ask is because my dad's an engineer, right? And the way he grew up was just drawing it, right? The advantage for him is he can just draw it whatever he needs out in the field instead of having to go do it on the computer and waiting for it. Is that, is that basically the same thing That's, in your field? Right. If I, if I worked on it hard enough, I, I could just do it just single-handedly like the old way and it won't be di- any different. It's, it might take a little longer, but having that advantage could help to the point where, okay, our machines are broken. What do we do? We're going to keep working. And But if you don't know how to draw then like you, you do, yeah, then, do you, then des- do you still design on paper sometimes and, I, then, and then transfer it to digital? Or is it like all oh, just design digitally? I would say something like basic graphic designs where you're doing lettering and shapes. Let's say for, for a sign, like a Starbucks sign or something. Or, or I like to go to the computer because I could just take the shape and manipulate it. But 
I, it's better to do it on paper because it's analog. You're, you're manipulating the shape. What feels right? What's sharp? What's soft? You're more in tune right. with the actual art itself. So by that means, it's, that's how I was trained. Because I started graphic design just before the computers were standard in, in colleges. So you still had computer labs. Is there anything that we might not know that is super crucial to what you do that people, it wouldn't even cross their minds? I would say I would say you have to really be confident in your line art when you're drawing. Because I've noticed whenever I've seen YouTubers, a lot, a lot of people do it, but they don't realize they're doing it. When you're seeing these speed drawings and you're, you're seeing the process and fast up. forward, yeah. You notice they undo the lines all the time. And all they have to do really is just, let's say you want to do a curve line. Yeah. You use anchor points, click one one side, click on the other, curve it, and you're done. But people want to draw that line so badly digitally that if it doesn't feel right, they undo it. And I notice that that slows down. It might slow it down by a couple of seconds, but you your mind wants it to be perfect. perfect. Yeah. But you, even then, real art isn't perfect because that line, if you zoom in, it's going to be crooked regardless. I've zoomed in on my own line art. Oh, look at all these crusty edges. No, that's just ink. That's just the ink naturally on the paper. Mm. And the crazy part is that as artists, you're very, you know, judgmental on yourself. And But then some of the audiences don't even notice it. They have no clue, no, even, they can't even see the mistakes that you might see in the first place. Right. So it's okay. Not that you don't want it to be the best of your abilities, but at the same time, like you said, okay, does it have to be perfect? No. I would say it depends on if, if I worked hours on a piece, I personally go crazy if something, there was like a little mistake on like, or let's say some, I accidentally left a little tiny dot and that, that's not supposed to be there, let's say by splatter or something. That would bother That would you a irk lot. me because I know it's there. That's a personal thing because editors should be seeing that anyways. And they'll tell, if you're working for a bigger company, you have a whole assembly line of people just looking at work. It's slightly tougher when you're on your own to see little tiny mistakes, which is it's valuable to say if you got some friends that are trusting uh, and are straight up, they'll like check out your work. Say, hey, does this look right? Does this? And like I tell my wife, hey, does this look? This arm look right? Yeah. Right. Get a fresh pair of eyes. Yeah. And what is it uh, that, that you uh, you say? I'm the worst judge or the worst editor that you're. That she the editor of your nightmares. They'll be like. Hey, Dave, you know what? That angle doesn't look right. It's just, it looks like you're having a tough time. Do you mind doing it again? And I could be done with a complete piece of the whole page, and I just rip it up and yeah, start over. The whole over. page is ripped up. Like, you do the uh, whole thing and start over? Yeah. yeah like, I mean, four or five, he's like in six panels, and then one of the panels doesn't look right. And I, I tell this to Dave, I go, you're going to hate me for this. And then he looks at it, he picks it up, tears that thing apart. And uh, it has to start all over. Yeah, but the, but then, uh, it breaks my heart too. I, I, I have well, everything else looks to, great. I have learned to calm down and I'll just Photoshop that. Like, oh, like I'll, I'll just because I'm so used you to you edit it instead edit, of yeah. starting over. Yeah, because I've noticed if it's a small thing, I'm like, I'll just cut a piece of Bristol board and just scan that and then put it in later. But because I was I came from just having editors look at my work, I want to show pristine pages. So there's that old school kind of thinking, which isn't bad, but it's like a little hindering because production, I got to get this done. If we're near a deadline, I won't tear it up. I'll just have to bite the bullet. I'm like, all right, I'll leave this page out or I'll put the page. I'll cut this out, put another piece. And I could do that on a computer too. I've done that. It's just when if I don't, 
if it's a pose, let's say a power pose, you have two characters in action, and I don't have the root of it, which is the gesture drawing itself. The what I usually start off, I start off with gesture drawings, just the getting that motion. If the motion isn't correct, then the whole piece is incorrect because that is the root of, of that of it. All right, if I'm gonna get that arm right, I have to do it completely over. Or if that twist isn't proper anatomy, then I have to. The problem is in the root of the drawings. So yeah, it problems all the way back in the beginning. It's really great to have you on the uh, on the show. Is there any way that uh, the people can follow you? You could uh, follow me on uh, Instagram, Dark Sky, the Dark Sky the thirty five at Gmail. You could also follow me on the SapphireDirective.com. The SapphireDirective.com. And on Facebook with the same name, the Sapphire Directive. Wow. Dope, dope. I really appreciate you coming out. Is there any advice that you would give people who want to get started in doing what you're doing or may who would look up to you? I would say if you have stories to tell, drawings, do it and do it the best that you can. Throw everything you got. If you're looking to get into the professional DC Marvel, keep trying, but understand that you will have to adapt to whatever the, st- the house style is and you have to push your own career once you're past that meaning you're not going to draw for them forever it's like pro wrestling you just you're there for a little time but make it everything you got and then push yourself outside learn everything you can thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, we appreciate it my name's Derek Johnson II I'm Nicholas Killian and we're here with David Moreno and Electronica Zero and we'll see you next time thank you very much thank you This has been Film Center on Comic-Con Radio. Check out our previous episodes at ComicConRadio.com. You can follow the show at Film Center News on all major social media platforms. Tune in next Wednesday for a fresh update. Until next time, this has been Film Center. Hey, do you like anime and manga? Nick and I are big fans of the genre. Yeah, we recently discovered a manga named Tamashi. It's written and created by Ryan McCarthy, and it recently just came out with its 10th volume. Now, Tamashi is an isekai about a girl who gets transported to another world called the Ancient Lands. She gains mysterious powers and must fight demons and monsters to find her way home. Check it out on Amazon, Blurp, and get a physical copy at ryanmccarthyproductions.com.